welcome to the finder of lost things exploring your superpowers of trust healing and transformation with me hannah belton my brother christian disappeared in mali africa in 2003 he disappeared without a trace we lost his story we didn't have closure we lost so much I was fighting and searching to find Christian when actually I just needed to sit in stillness and attract him in. I was so resistant to doing this, but I had to surrender. It's a process of trusting and finding the lost pieces and and integrating them. This podcast will uncover the process that Christian and I went on to find the lost things, him and to find the parts of me that were missing. And we were destined from the start to tell our story into the dark for we were born to a great white shark. Hello everybody and welcome. Come on in, come next to the fire. I've got a fire for you. Um, I'm in southeast England and um, it's a wintry night. There's a scattering of snow on the ground. Not enough for the kids to be happy about, but there we go. Uh, So yes, do come in. Um, I want to tell you a couple of stories this evening in the good old fashioned way. In the ancient art of storytelling and these stories I want to tell you will you'll take what you need from them um, I know last week I've had uh, contact with somebody who got in touch with me and said that uh, oh that we were talking last week um, about a grieving process and um, this lady actually hadn't had a loss in, a, in terms of an, a bereavement but she had had a physical reaction to what we were saying and so much of what we were saying she could relate to so you don't need to have had a bereavement um, to get the most out of these programs so yeah my week last week um, I was so tired last week after the show and then for a couple of days I literally had an energy crash um, which I don't have very often Um, and I wondered why I'd had it Um, and I sat down with my tarot cards and my oracle cards that I um, I used to try and sort of get an idea of what the next show is going to be about. And I got her. So I'll tell you what I got and then I'll tell you the story and then you can see where it's going. So I got um, I got that it was an in-between time. So in-between time means to me that you uh, it's like a pausing time where you're you've kind of finished one project or one you've had a revelation or you've had some kind of uh, trauma that you've kind of processed to a certain degree and then you have this sort of break now my in-between times are either or in the past have, have been exhaustion because I've been searching for Christian or I've been trying to really fight to get something done and it always in, ends in tears and exhaustion um, the other time I have these kind of in-between times are when, yeah, as I say, I've sort of finished one thing and there's something on the horizon, but I'm not quite ready for it yet. So last week was very much a time of regaining my energy and also doing a, some reflection. I mean, we had last week those three cards 
um, from the Earth Magic series, which were all about reflection, completion and breathing, being out in nature. So I took that advice last week. Um, so, yeah, this sort of in between time, but also when you have that kind of peace where nothing seems to be happening in life. I mean, it's almost like a lull. In fact, COVID and all these lockdowns, it's very much that, isn't it? We've we've kind of got used to this sort of stillness and this we're all hiatus. I'm getting the word just like we're all on a pause and e very elongated pause. Um and we know there's good stuff coming, but we're processing what's happened and, and also trying to cope with, um, you know, what's going on at the moment for us in our lives. For me, particularly, that's like homeschooling as well, which is also adding to the exhaustion. But there's always that, uh, you know, something new on the horizon. There's a glimpse of something that we can't quite see but we know there's a lot of potential there so I don't know if that's speaking to a, a lot of people at the moment um so I wanted to like get a bit more into these in-between times because we all have them we all have them and it there's a it's a sort of cycle that we have and how to make use of that in-between time when you can get so frustrated. You have to have patience. Yes, yeah, so you can get frustrated. You can get angry. You know, why I'm doing everything that I possibly can be to make something work. Why is it not working? Um, and the story I've got to tell you is has aspects of that for me in it. Um, yeah, so it's a time where you're, you're forced to stop, essentially. Just nothing seems to be working. Nothing's really moving. But the thing is to make the most of that time, and this is a hard lesson I've learned over many, many years, the best thing you can do is like surrender to it. And this is the time, it's it's the most fertile time really in that, I mean, we're coming into spring you can, for Northern Hemisphere. You can see my daffodils are, are just starting to open up. There's this feeling that... Um, you know, there's there's possibility, there's something new there, but we can't go towards it until we're ready, or it's not going to be revealed until we're ready. And this is a massive point where truths get unveiled. Now, truths, I'm going to just read you a little something. This is a book that Christian and I wrote, Lost and Found. Um and there's a little something we it was actually downloaded um about um oh where are we about um sorry about truth so this is this is a short extract um and it's just a letter that i downloaded so it says ah the truth often so sought after but actually the truth can be terrifying or rather the thought of receiving the truth, especially if your whole life and, be and being revolves around the truth. Do you dare to find out the truth? Will it make you sad, mad, or even more fearful to hear the truth? Probably, initially. But we will never show you the truth until you are ready to receive it. We will reveal truth layer by layer and provide you with all the support in the run-up to the reveal and all the aftercare we can provide. All you have to be is open to our guidance, support and care. Truth, while scary in parts, is actually the healing mechanism. 
Truth is honest, no deceit or denial. It is clarity, it is reality. Once you know the truth, you know what you face. You know your enemy, you know your foe. You have all the answers you need to reflect and act. The reflection is very important. You need to learn how to breathe properly too. Truth begets healing in a calm and loving space. So that was downloaded from Spirit for us, <clears throat> or for me. Um, and this is really what truth is. Truth we don't want to know in many ways. You know, I didn't want to know that my brother was dead. Uh, it was the biggest truth I was fighting against for, for 15 odd years, more than that probably, actually. But as the, the note from Spirit has said, you know, I was ready when I was told the truth. And when Christian was told the truth about that he died um we were ready and we were able to then act on that information in a like it was actually quite calm once once we'd revealed the truth had been revealed to us um but i guess we had always known the truth really we all had known the truth you know christian had disappeared it had been years and years and years um we'd had no news no nothing so we in my heart, you know, I'm sure if we're all honest, in, in our hearts, um, we knew that he was dead. Um, and that gut feeling, I know we talk a lot about inner knowing and actually opening up to the truths. Because, yes, oh, there's a lot of truth that we don't want to hear. And a lot of those truths are going to be emotional things that we're not wanting to see so that could be your real emotions about something you know I had real anger towards Christian which I never really allowed to come up to the surface but that was all part of the healing process that I had to allow all these emotions to come up all the truths all the deepest darkest emotions that I was feeling they had to come up so that was one truth another truth's can come in terms of mindset um so for me that was the fact that I didn't really believe that Christian would come home or that I would be able to get him home so that was that was part of a mindset that I had to completely change about myself um there's also um you know physical things that we that that happen that we sort of deny are happening so, yeah, there's all these different truths that um, that are there waiting to be revealed, but they won't be revealed unless you're ready. And to be ready, there has to be an intention to receive the truths. And that's very important. You know, you have to say, I am willing to hear these truths. And then there's an element of opening, like being open to hearing these truths and that comes from, you know, truths are going to come to you in all sorts of different ways. There are, um, so there's an inner, so I'll just sort of run them down. There's an inner knowing, so like you, a gut feeling, I guess, so that you really, really do know something and like really listen to those, <laughs> really listen to those. Um, you might hear something, so like an inner hearing and the hearing like certain phrases that you kind of hear spoken almost, they have to come from a loving space. Otherwise it's going to be 
it's like your brain taking over so they have to be loving and supportive words that you're hearing you might also see things so you might have a vision suddenly of something or you might have in your dreams you might have a truth revealed you might feel something so you might have the the chills in the back of your neck or um uh, yeah the bodily chills and all, all of those sort of feelings um and then you might have the sensing so um i think i've missed one out there haven't i um let me i wrote a so da, 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 feelings oh smelling as well you can also i used to smell my um my grandfather's smoke he smoked cigars and i used to smell his his cigar smell around at certain points when the golf was on because he loved golf so i could always smell him around um and then you've also got tasting. You can, if you get, uh, I think chefs and people who are very much using their taste buds all the time can can also clear sense things with, with taste. So all these different ways that truths can be revealed. So you'll have a reaction or you'll hear something or you'll see something. Then it's like, what are you going to do with these truths? Um, and this is, this is really important in that once you're open, and you're listening for truths it's really important to then act on these truths and you will in my case which I'll tell you about in a minute I was told again and again some truths that I didn't want to hear but you keep being told them they keep coming back to you they keep being repeated so yeah you must act on all the truths that you hear or, or the the information that you're given so yeah, all these new new horizons are there. And I know hearing the truth and recognizing that truth is a is difficult. I know that. But the new horizons, that's where you're going to find your freedom. Truth really does set you free. And it's going to be little truths. And so I always think of it like you're given a gift and you have to unwrap the gift so you're not going to be given all the truths at once you're going to be given layers of truth like un unwrapping the layers or of an onion you know peeling the layers of an onion they're going to be slow and steady and you're going to you're only going to be given what you need at the time to move on to the next level so this sort of in between time is really where, where you're going to get the the truths and what you need, because a lot of this, a lot of the time when you think, oh, what's missing? What's missing from my life? What do, what do I want in my life? What's missing? You're thinking about what you want, but there's a big difference very often between what you want and what you need. Like I wanted my brother back. I wanted to find him. I wanted our relationship to go back to normal. Although it wouldn't have been very back to normal, but you know what I mean? What I actually needed was to, well, I'll go into the story in a minute, but what I really needed was to sort myself out <laughs> and to understand my abilities, my skills, my powers that I had that I was actually giving away to other people. Um, and if, I'd, if we'd found Christian early on, we wouldn't have had any of this growth, this transformation, this story to tell others, um, to inspire others and empower others. So I completely understand why 
we had an awful lot of in-between time because there was so much to this story and the purpose of Christian going missing and what we were going to do with it. So if you're in a similar similar position to myself, maybe something has happened to you, something life-changing has happened to you, and you're also thinking about what can I actually do with my experience? Like there's a whole second mountain that I've had to climb from finding Christian and sorting out our relationship and then using our what's happened to actually help others and that's a whole different level of skills and abilities and it's all been a a huge learning curve but thankfully I love an adventure and I love taking risks you have to be able to take risks and in fact a lot of the cards I had last week it was all about you know using this in between time and finding the opportunities like getting still, becoming open and really, really listening and finding the opportunities and taking those risks and those actions. So I think that's all I need to introduce, but I want to tell you this story. So we're going to go back right to the 15th of December, 2016. And this was the time when I reached a complete rock bottom. Um, I'd had a dream... On the yeah the 15th of December 2016, I wrote in my journal, had dream that Christian not coming back, severe pain in my heart. First time I'd ever had that dream. Usually he comes back and we hug, tears, etc. Now, at that point, I had been in a d- downward spiral for, for probably eight months. And It was a time where from Mothering Sunday, so that's late March, it was in 2016, I, the search for Christian had been reignited after sort of 13 years of him being missing. I won't go into that now because it's not that important, but I went on social media and worked for six months to try and find him. Uh, I put all my faith I knew I could find Christian but I was listening to a lot of outside sources that were telling me things and I was being led down pathways that if I'd been listening to myself I probably wouldn't have taken so yeah this search for Christian was all on on social media there was a lot of interest in it um I had the newspapers I had uh tv channels uh it reached to australia we had um oh dear i was talking in africa to the newspaper editors to try and um to try and get free coverage i tried everything absolutely everything to get christian back i was locked onto the target and i didn't care who was watching i didn't care what i was saying how emotional i was my focus was just on Christian. I don't know if he's actually going to appear here. Um, so this is my brother. We're seeing as we're talking about him. Um, it was all consuming. My poor family, uh, we fell out an awful lot during the six months. It was really eight months, an awful lot um, about what I was doing. But I was not going to listen to anybody. I was going to find him. Um, but, yeah, I got to the point where I'd hit every single brick wall. There was nothing I could do. So this was my 
it was almost like my I was re-traumatizing myself. It was almost like the second time that I'd lost him because he wasn't coming forward. And I was I was fully sure that he was still alive at this point. So it was like, why aren't you coming forward, Christian? Where there were sightings and there were all, all sorts of things that went on. Um and I wrote in my diary, um, not got the drive left to carry on searching. If he wants to be found, Christian will have to come forward on his own accord. End of. I was like deadly upset and deadly angry again with him. Um, and I was so angry, um, really, because I had unmet expectations. You know, I would expected the social media search to work. I would expected Christian to come forward. I'd wanted to be the one to find him when all the other searches had failed. And I expected our sort of childhood bond to work miracles. And, you know, it's like no wonder I was angry. Um, I was angry with myself. Well, was I angry with myself? I think I was angry with myself for allowing myself to get so drawn into it. Um, and it was really frustration speaking and it was dis disappointment speaking, really. Um, yeah, I sort of definitely hit hit the wall. And um, I wrote on our face, we had a Facebook page, which was our community um, around the search. And I wrote this piece. Uh, I'll, if you want to come to finderoflostthingspodcast.com, I'll put up the pieces that I wrote and all the references that I use in the, in these um, shows, I'll put show notes up so you can read the whole thing if you're interested. But yeah, I wrote this really raw, honest, and it's like painful to read um, in some ways now, even still um, about how I was feeling. And I just hit that in between stage, which I think we can probably I'm sure it's now you're thinking about, oh, yeah, there was a stage where I was like that. Um, but there were several things that I was I had started to do which were really helpful. So I was starting to show gratitude for what I did actually have. So rather than being concentrating on what I didn't have, which was Christian still, I had a great group of friends around me. I had my um you know my kids my husband um I was very grateful for where I was which I hadn't really thought about before but I I had started to learn these things and I was like I have to be grateful for what I do have um and it was almost like um I at one point I did actually think I was possibly going mad <laughs> so I really had to ground myself and really take control. It was like I had to do something for myself, otherwise this was not going to end prettily. So, yeah, I'd started showing gratitude for everything. I'd started my meditation and yoga practice as well. I'd also started um, journaling, and I think I discovered tarot by then as well, which I'll talk about probably those, those things that really helped me in another show. Um, but I was also living in the now, like I was not concentrating on the past. I just, I'd like had enough of everything. So I, I completely shut out the past and I wasn't even looking at the future. I had to completely and utterly focus on like what was happening right in front of me. 
absolutely right in front of me. And a lot of that was I was exhausted and I had to surrender, literally had to surrender. Um, there was nothing else I could do. Absolutely nothing. Um, and I was, yeah, and I was also starting to become more open-minded about spiritual practices because I, I think I said in the first show, I was not spiritual at all not at all um and if anyone had suggested I was going to be doing a show like this where I'm talking about my spiritual practices I guess and what I believe I would have never even yeah never even thought about that but I was gaining yeah this new perspective on life and that was so helpful just lifting myself I'm being shown a it was the first step where I started to use my wings and to like rise up and actually see things from a different perspective so we talked we've talked before about this grief helmet and being in this grief cage where everything's very insular and it's very heavy and that's like a real effort like trauma and grief is like an effort to keep 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 with you because you, you do have a choice, which is difficult to hear. I hated hearing that. I was like, of course, I don't have a choice, but you do have a choice whether you want to stay with the grief helmet on and stay in the grief cage. You do have that choice. Um, at, at that point, I'd kind of reached reached total rock bottom and I'd gone, OK, I, I have to find help. I have to sort this out. Um, so after I'd sort of had a break, we went away for Christmas that year because we went up to Scotland where my husband's from and I had a complete break from everything. And I woke up on the 28th of December. Like I'm feeling excited for no particular reason. I wrote in my diary. I could, I felt like I was like alive. I was buzzing again. Um, and it was almost like I'd shed this skin and I'd rested over Christmas and I was like ready again for action. So it was almost like that in between time there and then I started to look out for signs because I knew like if I was feeling a bit better, I need to open up and look for signs. So there were three things that I saw. I read an amazing article by BJ Miller in the New York Times, um, which was um, <sighs> this is the, tr the thought that was triggered in me was that I have to use my experiences to inspire others to talk on others behalf almost like when you've been on the brink of stuff it does give you an authority so people can see you've suffered and then if you can come out of it they're kind of like oh okay how did she do it or so that was in my mind and I also read um there's this guy called John Morrow and he wrote an unstoppable he wrote about being unstoppable and he talked about um taking the punch accepting it and then counter punching and I thought for a long time about, or I was reflecting on what could my counterpunch to this situation be. Um, and then also I found a quote from um, Neil Garman on, he, he made a speech about um, make good art. And in it, he says, the moment that you feel that just possibly you're walking down the street naked, exposing too much of your heart and your mind and what exists on the inside, showing too much of yourself, that's the moment you may be starting to get it right. Anyway, look, I read these articles. It was over a couple of days. And my every time I read something, my body started to get the chills. I mean, I 
I knew I had to find a way to yeah that counter punch and like using my experiences so far to help other people so I then as I said before you have to take action once you're hearing these truths and um you have to get yourself it was it was rising up out of the situation and actually seeing like on co-creating what could I co-create with others what could I how could I use all this to help other people and I sat down and I I actually wrote to um missing people charity and I um asked them if I could write them some articles which which they did uh and all this was in between time this was just times when I was looking for something to to I knew there was a purpose I knew and it's it was all about building myself up and find making connections with other people and really just doing what I loved. And what I really loved that I'd forgotten, um, and, and I'd kind of kind of been something which, since having a family and children, and I, I, I'd really let go of. Um, but that was writing. Like I've been a writer oh, for a, a long time, and it's how I express myself. Um, it was my career and it still is my career, I guess. Um, but writing and meeting people um, and being a journalist, finding the interesting stories. So after writing a few things for Missing People, the charity in the UK, I then started up. I thought, oh, I'm going to go and write about nature because I and I started writing a blog called Nature. No, uh, what was it called? Oh, Nurture by Nature. And the tagline was connect, explore, flourish, disperse. So I was using what I was. So for me, nature at that point was my nurturing. So I would always go out into nature and I really used nature during my in-between time massively. And I started to write this blog about how nature was helping me with my sort of mental health and and also finding other stories from other people and I met this man called um Steve Homewood who was just down the road from me and he I got in touch with him about going on a nature walk with him in very close to where I live but not somewhere I'd been and he was a bit wary at first because he doesn't normally take other people out with him when he goes for his nature walks, but he writes very passionately and takes beautiful photographs. But anyway, I, um, I said to him, could I come along? And he, he knew about my story with Christian. So I'm just going to tell you what happened and there's some beautiful things in it. So I met Steve and he immediately started to tell me this story. Well, I'm just going to tell you what I wrote in the blog, which you can read if you want to. So, so this was Steve talking about his grandfather. In the war, Grandad was in the RAF and his plane crashed into the jungle in Africa. He thought he was doomed. I'm getting chills now. He's probably here. He thought he was doomed after being injured and bitten by a snake, but he was found by a tribe of pygmies. By sheer luck, Grandad was also short at four foot eight, so they connected with him and looked after him. Because Grandad didn't go back into, couldn't get back to his RAF base, he stayed with them for two and a half years. And during that time, the jungle pygmies taught him everything they knew about living in the jungle and about all about their animals and plants. 
When he finally came back to England, being in the jungle had been a life-changing experience for him. He, I was about 11 when he took me under his wing. I was only with him for about a year, but he passed on all the information he'd learnt from the pygmies so that I could understand and enjoy the countryside a bit better. I took it all on board and have carried his lessons in my head for the past 50 years. I wasn't sure that people would believe Grandad's story, but now, suddenly, seems the right time to start passing his knowledge on to others, especially youngsters, as nature's had such a positive impact on my life. So this was, I'd never met the guy, and this was the story he told me. Um, and I had my son, Cameron, who was eight years old at the time, with me because he wanted to come along. And Cameron was just like wide-eyed listening to this story about this jungle. And anyway, he, so Steve wanted to pass on his grandfather's lessons that he had told him. His grandfather was called um, Harold Victor Mason, and he was nicknamed Billy. Um, Roger Kipling actually nicknamed him Billy. Um yeah, there's another story there, but I won't go down there. Um, but Steve's grandfather had passed on three three important things. And I want to pass them on to you because they are so important. And we were talking about the listening and being opening, open and listening for the truths. So the three things that um, Steve passed on to us was noise shouldn't come from you. It should come to you. Don't just hear things. Really listen. Don't just look at things, see them and understand what's going on. Uh, and that we'd started our walk actually in the early evening. And uh, Steve's grandfather had always called the evening and the early morning as the magic hours. And it's really when the wind usually drops and the animals come out. So you and he said, you mustn't make any noise louder than a whisper. Otherwise, you'll break the spell and scare all the animals away. So the other last bit of that story um, in terms of the grandfather being in Africa. Um, so I, I said to Steve at the end of the day, you know, um, do you know about my brother? Because I hadn't even mentioned to, to it. And he said, um, yeah, I was so touched to hear about your brother when I read about him, especially after my granddad was gone for so long. He did come back, Hannah, as he was having a fine old time and he just couldn't phone anyone or just walk out of the jungle. The Congo was a mad old place. He was there for the best part of three years and his mother and wife had no way of knowing where he was, but he reappeared. So live in hope, Hannah. And that's what... Oh, oh. oh I don't know where that's coming from, but that's where... Um, so that was a gift that was given to me, like a truth that was given to me. Christian was still alive. Um in spirit obviously as we know now but I was going to find him and and I was given that um by Steve as a like as a little gift for for the I'd been listening and I'd reacted to to what I was being told about you know meeting other people and getting stories off people and having that being in nature um and there's if I've got time I just want to share something which which actually is happening now um Steve found um he showed us so the river so the river ooze I don't if, if anyone is listening who knows the river ooze in Sussex it's a, a tidal um river through through Lewis which is a town um and it's a very muddy muddy river and on the second week I've just read this today and I thought oh this is so pertinent because it's the second week in February now and 
um, Steve showed us these thin, they're called thin-lipped mullet, um, the fish who feed at the um, edge of the river ooze. But he noticed thousands of these mullets congregating in clear water. And it was icy cold chalk filtered spring water that ran in from the river Winterbourne into the muddy main river ooze. Um, and he put his camera down into the water to, to have a look at these thousands of, of mullets. And they were all injured in some way. So they'd either been bitten by seals, they were covered in fungal infections, or they had um, lampreys hitching a lift on them. And he kind of continued to observe them over, over a couple of weeks. And he saw the fish staying in this spring water until their wounds were healed like until they were back to fitness. So it's almost like they had a rest from all the mud and the, and their, their breeding and their life cycle. And they just stayed in this clear water and they got their healing. And then they returned back into the muddy ooze and then went out to, out to sea. Um, and this was something that nobody else had seen. And Steve just being, he's such a beautiful man, Steve. Um, he, just listened and really saw things and took the time to really understand them and when you see truth I'm getting something here it's like when you see truths it, it takes a while to understand them sometimes sometimes you'll get information which just isn't clear okay it takes time to understand truths it takes patience to unwrap them to understand from other people's points of view it's like it's that lifting yourself up and out of a situation so you can see others point of view and you can also see the things that aren't true that you thought were true like what is an illusion what are you telling yourself a story about that actually isn't true. There's an awful lot of, <laughs> of that that goes on, an awful lot. Understanding and clarity is what comes out of truth. And truth really does set you free. It really does. There's something coming in at the moment. Um, what else is coming in? It's very strong. It'll, it'll, as I said, it'll be a truth that will actually be uncovered. Um, but yes, yeah, so the, all these stories, it really is about taking the risk. There's a lot about taking a risk and being stillness there's so much time we we rush around we keep being very busy and there's just no space to hear the truth and we I was really good at it really good at not hearing the truth we did that for for years of not wanting to hear the truth but these times really are they're like a gift. These times really are, are a gift. The main gift I had, so I, 
had this time with Steve, which was which was beautiful. I was then able to step back and realize that I had been listening to a lot of people. I had not been listening to myself. I knew this is this is the thing that was coming through. I knew how to heal myself. I knew what I needed. I just had to sit in stillness and hear it and allow it to come in. And as I said before, there, there's a lot here about um, like the intention to heal. I have, um, I, I do have something which oh, I haven't even got it with me right here, so I can't get it now, but I had a whole intent um, sort of meditation or a ritual downloaded to me for setting an intention and it was about it's about 15 minutes this whole ritual that I spoke but if you really want to find what's next in your life what truth you need to hear what you need to uncover what so there's almost like this the scales need to come away from your eyes what do you really need to see you have to set the intention and really allow it there's no point in saying i i want to know um whatever it is you want to know whatever you want to find whatever you feel you're missing there's no point in just saying it sort of flippantly like you really have to mean it it has to be coming from the heart and it has to be a real oh like all enveloping need to know or need to yeah like a need to know a need to have it revealed and then there's an element of then surrendering it if you I found like if I continually was searching for Christian which I was for those eight months I never I was so attached to finding him so attached to finding him I actually in the end had to totally detach myself from finding him so I put the intention, I mean, I was so clear and the whole universe knew I was going to get Christian, but I had to detach from that. I had to step back. I had to surrender it. I didn't know how I was going to find him. I didn't know how it was best to find him, if that makes sense. I didn't know what was best for me at that point the universe and source and all my guides knew way better than me what I actually needed and how this was going to pan out the process and what I needed to know before I stepped into each level so it is it's a pr progression and I know Ursula will laugh if she's listening to this because I always say like trust in the process you have to trust in the process it really is a process. So 
Yeah, so it's sort of making your intention and then it's surrendering that, knowing that as long as you stay open and you listen and you receive what you're being given, which is help and support, and act on that help and support, you will be going in the right direction. Like, just trust yourself as well. These, When we were talking about um, how you receive, so whether you're hearing something, whether you're um, um, seeing something or you're feeling something, like, really do trust those. Really do trust those things that you're receiving. And once you have detached from the end result, that's like when the magic can start to happen. And I had a, I did a meditation this morning, this morning, actually, there's things that I want to share with you, which I'm not going to this week, but I will in future weeks because I set things in motion this week, which will definitely happen in a few weeks time. But I did this meditation this morning and I could see a plat being platted. If I, if I think about going back to 2016 like that story I told you about how the the complete rock bottom point for me I could never imagine what had what has happened since then you know I thought it was just going to be finding Christian we would somehow sort of sort our relationship out and then we'd I I didn't really know I certainly didn't think I would find him in spirit we'd go do trance mediumship to find all his story and then end up doing what we're doing now. I mean, that was never in my thinking. So even what you think that you want to happen, you have to detach from that so that what actually is going to happen can come in. Like, cause you, if you're so fixed on an idea, you never allow the possibility of the impossible things happening. Just imagine, like, if you could, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to find your missing pieces, whatever that, those things are, whatever they might be, and you're thinking, right, if I, if I was, find, if I found everything, I would be able to do this. Like, you would set your intention. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find all my missing pieces and this is what I'm going to do once I've, I'm fully whole. This is what I'll be able to do. Setting that intention is fine. And that's all you can do at that point. And that's the other point, actually, isn't it? It's, it's when you're in the in-between time, you're always in the right place. Even when you look back, like I look back now at everything that's happened. And I think there's a lot of, there can be some self-blame there is, is that why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Why did it take so long? Why did I listen to other people when I should have been listening to myself? All of those things are completely um, irrelevant, really, because you just need to know that you were in the right place at the right time. Everything happens in the right time. The right people will come into your life when you need them. They might trigger you. You might rub up badly against them. That's that's a truth. 
to be reflected upon. You know, you're always going to meet the right people for you at the right time. And as that note um, in, in our book said, you know, you'll meet the right people and it'll be just what you need at the time. You'll be given. And the other thing is before you. So if we're going from in between moment so if you go from from some sort of drama or some sort of trauma or something happen you have a lull of the in between where you reflect and you grow and you expand yourself and then you're ready for the next step so then some something else happens something big happens some drama or some trauma or some sort of big result like you will always be given the support group to help you move on up. And once you're up there or you've moved or you've expanded or you've grown somehow, there will be this time where you have to start integrating things. It's like, um, yeah, getting your new wings for the first time. Or what's another example? Um, suddenly being given a bigger job, something like that. You then have to get used to the new. Uh, we were talking about with Ursula last week about the newness of her, her gr like not having the grief cage and the grief helmet around her any longer and that lightness and getting used to that feeling of lightness. It's definitely a... It's not an in-between stage because that's a, that's a, um, this is when something happens, you, you react. So when you, when you have a, a, a drama or a trauma or something event happening, you react, don't you? So you're either going to fight, you're going to flee, you're going to freeze or just grow it. Now I would just sort of take it in my stride and just flow with it because that's what you need to do. <laughs> you know, you're being challenged, you're being tested and just trust. It's like, just trust what you're being asked to do. You are, if you have something big happening, you are ready to do it. It's like starting to do these podcasts. I know I'm ready. I know I'm ready to do them, but there's still that every time I come on air, there's a, a sort of few minutes of, oh, am I actually ready to do this? You are ready to do it when things come up for you and opportunities come up for you, take them, do take risks, do take the opportunities and you will find your way. Okay. You are ready to do these things. So just keep being open. Keep hearing those truths, keep reflecting and keep flowing. I'm going to read you another little thing. I hope we've got time. Um, also from this lost and found book. And this was the last, um, letter I was given which is all about flow and like these in between times you might feel an element of frustration you might feel an element of um of anger about things not happening as you want them to happen but you really do need to flow with what's happening you there's you it's like the more you fight and the more you try and swim against things happening, which I used to do all the time, 
you know it's just exhausting <laughs> it doesn't work because when you're being when you're being challenged or you're you've got something new happening for you it's like you have to just flow through it and come out the other side and you you either release things that, that you no longer need or you or you just learn from your mistakes and you learn and take all the good stuff that you did learn forward with you so this this is a real process of um just really growth and expansion that's all the in between stages are really that's all it's really about but it's not obvious and i used to get really angry about um you know oh yeah it was just all this i had no patience i don't i think i've learned what's one of the biggest things i've learned in this whole journey is patience i don't think we're good with being told to wait <laughs> oh we, we want everything very much like now but yeah patience that's going to be i think the next generation um you know if we if we were bad as my generation i think the next generation gonna the patience is going to be something they're going to have to really learn I'm talking about my kids at the moment <laughs> but that patience and that taking I mean it might be very boring a lot of this in between stage work is is actually boring because it is it's almost like plodding along for goodness sake when is something going to happen but you just keep taking those small little steps and eventually things will start to happen but I'm just going to read you this flow so ease, grace, style and sass, that's how to flow. Well, the essential elements of anyway. Flow is all about being in the moment, in the now. Look at what's around you and within you and react accordingly. There's no room for hesitation here. You just need to let go and watch and react. If you hit turbulence, all you have to do is look at the situation and the people involved with love, compassion and if necessary, understanding and forgiveness. Flow is all about moving freely and reacting without fear or judgment. Flow is about avoiding when it feels right to do so, but to not be scared to hit things head on when they arise. Procrastination or denial has no place on this slope down. Allow and accept what is happening. See gratitude for happenings rather than seeing frustration, anger and fear arise. Every event person you meet on the slope will be there to help you. Things happen for you, not to you. Flow is all natural and unforced. Ebb and flow. Just sit tight and trust you're supported. So I hope that helps in some ways in these times. Um, I think next week, I think it's Valentine's Day actually on the 14th. And I think next week we're going to be on the 15th of February. So I suspect highly suspect um, the subject will be love and that won't be a romantic love at all. That will be, we're almost going back to the first episode where we were talking about fierce love, um, the fierce love, unconditional love. Um, and that's a lot different to conditional love as we'll no doubt find out. But anyway, I hope that's helped, um, maybe helped you navigate those times when things don't really seem to be moving. And if you want to know, yeah, I'll put up all the show notes and all the sections, that, everything that I've read this evening, um, you can find at finderoflostthingspodcast.com. And if you've got any feedback, if you've got any questions, I'd love to hear from you. And 
yeah that's all I think we're still in um we're still in a sort of clearing cycle at the moment in terms of the season so there's still a lot of things this this is going to come up for you a lot at the moment it's the truths and the little finding the removing the illusions so yeah cleansing time and planting those new seeds okay well lots of love it's been lovely to talk at you (laughs) for an hour um and i'll see you next week lots of love bye-bye thank you for listening to the finder of lost things i think we've been triggered so long and so hard by covid and it's going to carry on people are getting used to to stillness and they're getting used to um, more solitude but how do you use that time for the highest good this process that we're going to explore will bring back the joy and purpose to life that wholeness you know that sort of harmony and flow and togetherness people are really ready to find their lost parts now you can find me at hannahvelton.online expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.